Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? It's showtime, folks! Do I have everybody's attention now? We are the nation! Give me a hell yeah! Yes! What? Yes! What? Power in the inmate! Embrace the vision. We want the smoke! Everybody's got a price! For the benefit of those with flash photography. With a tear in my eye! The cream of the crop! Hey yo! You just made the list! I am the man! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestle Nation, pro wrestling talk for people who talk pro wrestling. This is the official podcast of NEW talking about all the happenings in the newest pro wrestling organization in the Pacific Northwest, as well as breaking down the world of WWE, NXT, AEW, and more. Whether it's then, now, or new, we're here to break it down. My name is Jay Bowman, and I am joined, as always, by the architect, Mike Paris. Paris, how are you doing today? I am well, sir. How are you? I'm also doing well. We no, are Noted absence here. Yes, we are not joined by... If he's not here, do I still have to call him the thing? No! No! We are not joined by uh, Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion. That felt good. That actually, that yeah, felt good. I know, good. right? Yeah. Yeah, that felt good. I, I have a theory here. Oh, I love it. Um, He's scared. Oh. Is yeah. Because he's scared of the gotcha king? Well, you know, I, I had our guest last week, uh, Evan Rivers, show up, um, maybe a little unexpected to Wyatt, and, uh, and he's maybe scared. I'm going to throw something new at him here. All right, so I guess our guest that's waiting in the wings right now that was ready to you know take uh, take umbrage with some yeah. of Wyatt's journalism, uh, they can go ahead and uh, and jump off. So come back next week. Come back when next Wyatt's week. ready for you. That's fine. Uh, speaking of which, I do have a uh, a statement here from from Wyatt about his absence that he would okay. like me to uh, to address our listeners with. <clears throat> um, he is currently out uh, working on earning his next award. Uh, I'm sure he just meant first award. That has to be it. That has to be a typo. <laughs> that makes uh, sense. He actually is uh, working on a scoop right now, and he has invited officially. I, you can just say you invited him. That doesn't mean you have officially invited him. He's officially invited uh, one Mr. Corey Basso, uh, the voice of the Vancouver Whitecaps, play by play voice. I believe so, yeah. All yeah. right, of the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, at C.D. Basso on Twitter. Uh, he was announced as the special guest referee for the Mr. Ferguson uh, Elliot Tyler match in round one of the NEW Chase for the Championship on the 27th of November. So he was announced as the guest referee. Wyatt has questioned his impartiality, and uh, Wyatt has actually invited him to come on the show next week because, quote, I got the scoop. Wow. Okay. 
Well, I'm I'm curious to hear what uh, what he has to say for himself, uh, Corey here, because um, yeah, I've I've heard rumor that there's evidence that there might be some bias here uh, in this refereeing of said match. Um, not as much bias as I would have, but yeah, uh, but, but bias nonetheless. Yeah, are you the understudy referee in case something happens with uh, like what if Wyatt's scoop is something very scandalous, right? And Basso gets removed from the yeah. position. Have you been right. contacted about being any sort of understudy? Should yeah, Boyd, I, should Elliot Tyler be worried? Uh, y- you might say uh, that I'm the Mayim Bialik in this situation, uh, the the backup. You know what? We will, will say that. There's no might to it. We will say that you are the Mayim Bialik of this. You're the blossom of this situation. So. And I will blossom. I will. Yeah. I will put on many hats. Yep. And I will blossom. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, the NEW upcoming shows. It is going to be a big, big month for the company. So uh, let's get right into it with the NEW segment. All right, as mentioned, we are about 18, 17 days away or so from NEW3, the kickoff at the Studio Nightclub on Granville Street going Saturday, November 27th from 6 to 9 p.m., and then finishing on Thursday, December 2nd from 7 to 11 p.m. Uh, we broke down the bracket last week. This is the chase for the championship, NEW crowning its first ever champion. This is a huge, huge deal. You don't want to miss it. Now, Paris, we broke down the bracket last week. We made some picks. Uh, is there anything you maybe thought about in the last week that maybe you want to change your mind on? Anybody's social media game who stepped up a little bit, changed anything for you? Uh, well, I think, you know, the aforementioned, uh, special guest referee here could play a factor in my choice of my, my, much to my own chagrin choice of choosing, uh, Elliot Tyler coming out of the first round. Um, I, yeah, I don't know where this special guest referee, where his allegiances lie. Is he gonna, gonna swerve on here? I assume, I assume he's on, on, uh, Beef Boy's side. But One could only assume, yeah. I, like, who wouldn't be, right? Except for me. Um... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that might be a regrettable choice at this stage. I just think he might have the juice in him uh, to to be able to take over uh, Mr. Ferguson, uh, finally, uh, in this this match in the opening round. But I'm a little nervous about that option there. Yeah, and since the last time these two squared off, uh, Mr. Ferguson has aligned himself with the wise men. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to be in his corner, if he's going to come in alone. Maybe he doesn't need him in his corner because he's got the referee in his pocket. Who knows? There you go. Right. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I'm honestly, I'm, I don't, I don't even remember if I picked him. I hope I did because I'm, I keep loving more and more Sebastian Wolf. Yeah. I'm I'm becoming a big Sebastian Wolf guy. Well, Sebastian so, Wolf, he uh, he shared his uh, his journal of notes when he yes. I believe when he started uh, pro wrestling of moves he wanted to do, and in that journal, figure four around the ring post appears. Mm-hmm. So that twenty dollar bounty, it could be destiny for Sebastian Wolf. Yeah, and what was the one we were curious about? A a bulldog power slam. It's a bulldog power which slam. I believe you and I went through the exact same thought process, which okay, is so you get him so in, a head, in, the so you get him in a headlock. <laughs> you get him in a headlock, and then you go for a running bulldog, and it, like I can you, see you it power working. Slam. Yeah, you pick him up, and then kind there. of it's a bit of a hip toss type motion, and you slam him. Hey, like, we just invented a wrestling move. 
He meant, obviously, the British Bulldogs running power slam. Which is also of course. awesome. However, Mr. Wolf, I encourage you, maybe workshop this uh, this actual Bulldog power slam, because just describing it, that sounds pretty badass. I've never yeah. seen anything like that before. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad he shared his little workbook with us. That was very cool to see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it does seem to be leaning all directions towards Sebastian Wolf taking the uh, Why It Aren't award-winning bounty. Um, but I'm still counting on Evan Rivers here. Evan Rivers, come on. You want to really stick it to uh, stick it to Wyatt? Evan Rivers with that with that uh figure four on Nicole Matthews in the opening oh, round. Yes, I'd love Wyatt that. would die. What I want to see is the bell rings for the first match of the tournament, and then there's a collar and elbow tie-up, and then someone goes low, goes for the legs, and immediately goes to drag for the figure four around the ring post for the opening uh move of a match. They want that twenty dollars bad. The only thing that would burn Wyatt more than Evan Rivers hitting it would be me. Oh yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I run out. Yeah. Figure four around the ring post. Someone yeah. taps out. Because what's he's on for, he's got 60 bucks he's right. deep into this with his uh, his bounties, right? Yeah. It's the figure four around the ring post. Yeah. Someone tapping out Evan Rivers. Yeah. And what was the third 20 I think bucks? it was eliminating Evan Rivers from the tournament. Entirely. Yes. So Nicole Matthews could theoretically, depending on where that match is on the card, Nicole Matthews could clean up an easy 60 bucks. Yeah. Head home. Head yep. home by 7.30. Yeah. Call maybe she a, goes in a night. Maybe she wins the whole tournament. She's $60 and a new championship belt richer. That'd be pretty Oof. great for her. I like the sounds of that. I'll be honest. Now, in addition to the tournament matches uh, in the first round, we're also going to see uh, the wise men, Tony Baroni and Billy Suede, defending the NEW tag team titles against the Voros twins. Uh, comment from Rob Fay, quote, we want active tag team champions. And even though NEW3 has the focus on its first ever championship being handed out, we want the wise men to battle the Voros twins. And whoever wins that match must put those belts on the line December 2nd. Woo! All right. Could be a busy week for uh, for those tag teams. One yeah. one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you like, Wise Men versus the Voros Twins? Uh, d- don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do you, I like them both as tag teams. I do. Um, of course, I, I have to lean always towards the Wise Men just because they have their tactics, so to speak. Um, but, uh, I think, I think it's only a matter of time before the Voros twins, uh, have the champion chippy uh, around their wasty, the wasties, the wasties. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that. They can just, no, they can just keep riding that forever. It's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would love to see at some point, like whoever comes out of that match winning, uh, I'd love to see reloaded, get another tag team title shot Yep. because, uh, you know, they got screwed a little bit uh, at NEW2 state of emergency wiped them out and it was a bit of a you know easy easy win after that for the wise men even though they still made it pretty difficult which is great and you know without interference who knows if the wise men would have won that match and maybe reloaded uh would have been tag team champions finally cuz reloaded have been teaming together for about 3 or 4 years now and have never won a tag team championship and they're a great team yeah definitely definitely and and who knows what's going to come out of this tournament uh you know are we going to see uh, maybe a Travis Williams, Mr. Ferguson uh, alignment happen as the other side of the wise men, uh, maybe to get vengeance in some way. Or are we going to see some unholy alliances or some unexpected alliances coming out of 
of uh, this bracket and who who's going to be aligned with who and who realizes that maybe they could have more success in the tag team world uh, if they're eliminated from this tournament bracket. Yeah, we also have a couple uh, wrestlers we haven't seen here yet. Uh, the Golden Gun, Mark Wheeler, facing Artemis Spencer in round one. That could be a big upset. No one really knows what to expect from the Golden Gun in NEW. And then Anton Alexiev versus Bishop, uh, who was my pick to go all the way and win, uh, both on the side of the same uh, same bracket. So there definitely could be some surprises. You do not want to miss this show. If you already have your tickets, hey, good job. You did it. Way to go. Proud Look of us. Yeah, Proud you of hustled. Proud of you. Good job. If you don't have your tickets, hurry because there are some potential sellouts coming on here. And these are going to be two amazing shows on November 27th and December 2nd. You have anything else NEW wise you wanted to address? Uh, no, no, I, I just yeah, this could be a big show. You guys don't want to don't want to miss out. Uh, Studio Nightclub, cool venue, exciting venue, uh, new venue. And uh, and right in the heart of the of the Granville Strip, um, get your tickets because because you don't want to miss out. I think uh, it was Travis Williams tweeted today. You don't want to miss out on what was probably going to be the best show of the year. So get in there. Oh, just looking at that side of the bracket, we could see a finals on that left bracket of Miles Deville versus Sebastian Wolf. Oh, state shit. of emergency collides. What a matchup that would be. They they'd look they'd look great against each other. I like them together. I like them as a tag team, but they look great against each other as well. Same. All right. Well, uh, let's get into the wide world of wrestling. All right. Usually we'll go alphabetically and talk about AEW first, but obviously the biggest news in the world of wrestling in the last seven days was the uh, plethora of releases from WWE that happened late last week about, what was it, an hour or two hours after they uh, announced a uh, profit of $250 million mm-hmm. in their quarterly, uh, quarterly statements. Um, man, the names just kept coming. And this was probably, would you say this was the most, it's it's shitty that we have others to compare them to. Would you say this was the most shocking, like, release cycle that we've seen in the last, like, let's just say 10 months of the company? Yeah, I think that, I think, of course, the initial big one was maybe the most shocking because you saw a lot of releases there, just literally a large amount of releases there uh, with some big names attached. Uh, And they've become less and less shocking, maybe because we've expected them to be coming. Um, But some of the names on this list are, are, are shocking. These are people who you had the sense that uh, the company had every ounce of, of faith in them. And, and they've just dropped them like, like they're, they're nothing, uh, both men and women and, and, uh, recent NXT call-ups, uh, hopeful NXT personalities and, and they're just gone. And I'm sure we'll get into it about where they might end up, but, uh, it's, it's really kind of a, a dark day and these dark days seem to be more and more happening and they claimed budget cuts. But like you say, it's like. Huge profits, uh, but also budget cuts, because uh, we can't make huge profits if we keep writing checks uh, that aren't paying us off. So, Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, uh, a lot of people theorized, I think the last time there was a big mass uh, exodus and mass cuts for uh, for WWE, especially when uh, Braun Strowman was released and then when Bray Wyatt was released, that these cost-cutting measures are usually what happens when... 
a company may be prepping for a sale because right. they're trying to make their bottom line look as appealing as possible in order to maximize what they can uh, ask for for a sale. But again, that all comes down to Vince, and Vince is never going to sell the company. He's going to die at the helm. I don't think anybody doubts that. Yeah, one one would think, but it does it does scream that, and there's been talk of that, and and I think we talked about this at the time that we talked about the initial uh, cuts. Um, but NBC Universal seems to be the the buyer that is sitting in the wait, um, especially after the network moves to Peacock. Um, it, it just makes all the sense in the world if M- NBC Universal is interested. Uh, maybe they could add it to Universal Studios. There could be a WWE sec. Anyway, no, I'm dreaming. Jeez, holy crap! <laughs> oh, it's all making sense now, actually. But yeah, I, I I could foresee a world in which they sell, but Vince remains in charge. I I could see that being being a future. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it everything lines up to say that yeah, they are considering it. They are trying to make the bottom line look look good. And albeit you have to do that for your shareholders anyway. You have to make the bottom line look good. So that that is one thing. Publicly uh, any, traded company. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, I work for one. I don't know if you work for one, but yeah, it's all it's all about the bottom line and what you can show on the documents, right? So WWE is just doing what's right for their shareholders right now, or what they view as right for their shareholders. But certainly among maybe just the niche fans, but it doesn't look good, right? You're no. especially when your talent jumps to your main competitor, it doesn't look good. Um, so can you afford to keep releasing these people who you think maybe aren't worthwhile? I, I'm not sure if it's it. It really makes sense in the long run. Because in total, I believe in 2021, WWE has released, I think, 71 wrestlers. Oof. That's a big number. Yeah. Huge uh, number. And you're looking at the talent, and yeah, we'll probably move to talking about uh, some of them now. Uh, B-Fab, they've... uh, Yeah. They've, that was they've a random att- one. They've attacked Hit Row. Uh, no, first we'll talk about... Um, we'll talk about Keith Lee, right? Sure. Keith Lee, who had some very big moments in the company. I'd say, uh, maybe not huge, but I think about him finally dethroning Adam Cole and holding the NXT North American and uh, World Championship at the Great American Bash. Huge, huge deal to be the guy that finally beat Adam Cole. Uh, I think of the showdown with Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. That was the first one that came to mind when I saw Keith Lee was released. Just the, oh, big boy, going toe-to-toe with Brock Lesnar. Big-time moment. I think about uh, him and Roman Reigns squaring off at Survivor Series and him like kind of earning Roman's respect like in the ring and everything, and that being such a big moment. Obviously, he had his medical issues happening uh, earlier this year, of which he put out a statement today, which I'll get to in a second. But, uh, you know, what the hell went wrong with Keith Lee? Yeah, I I haven't seen the statement that you refer to, so I'm curious to hear about that. But um, everything seemed to be pointing in the right direction. And for me, personally, as a wrestling fan and and the wrestlers who I enjoy watching, uh, as it's been well documented on this show, um, not a big Brock Lesnar guy, not a big Goldberg guy, not a yep. big big Haas for the sake Haas. of being a big Haas, a Haas guy. Man. Yeah. What I do like, what I do love, is a big Haas who has agility and can move and can work really well in the ring. 
And Keith Lee is that guy. He's an agile big guy who can stand next to a Brock Lesnar and make him look good. He can stand next to a lot of wrestlers and make them look good of any size. And he was a huge pickup when they got him into NXT in the first place. And the fact that they are just willing to toss him aside right now is really, really shocking because uh, obviously, quote, creative's got nothing for you. That was very obvious. But they could have developed him. They could have made him. And and like you say, with that example of him at the Royal Rumble with Brock Lesnar, it seemed to be posing him as that next big guy that he was charismatic. He had everything going for him. And uh, to just give up on him like this seems a little odd. Creative has nothing for him. Mike Paris, he's the bear cat. Not anymore. Yeah, the, the the bear cat. Yeah, it was uh, surprising. He also has some of the best like gifts in wrestling of the last couple years. Uh, standing up uh, behind Finn Balor, the fucking the Godzilla yep. rise yep. or whatever. That's an incredible gift. And obviously, uh, the Adam Cole pounce into the fourth or fifth row was absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, big big moments. I also think of he's still there, thankfully, but who knows? Um, Ricochet doing that front flip and landing on his feet. That's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Yeah. And they just can't capitalize on these, you know, incredible athletes. Who the hell knows why? This is insane. Like, like, you say that, though, like, but Ricochet's name on that list, would that have been at all surprising to you? Nope, not at all. I saw him on SmackDown. He's uh, Mustafa Ali is trying to get into a tag team with him. Again, Mustafa Ali, another wrestler I really, really, really like. Would it surprise me to see his name on the list? No. Cedric Alexander, another guy I really, really like. Surprising to see his name on the list. I wouldn't be. So... You know, it's just, uh, this isn't the last time this is going to happen. I think it's not like like they're done. I get it, though, like, to an extent, because, you know, for years and years and years, it was like, hey, where's, just picking a name out of the air, where's Zack Ryder? Oh, okay, well, he shows up to work every week, and he sits in catering, and then maybe occasionally he shows up as a lumberjack in a lumberjack match. Oh, there he is. 24-7 fucking run around and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I get it that it's, A, it's a waste of money. B, honestly, it's a waste of the talent. It's, you know, like, to make a hockey comparison, it's like keeping a guy in the press box when you could put him on waivers and give him an opportunity with another team, right? Yeah. So, like, there is an element here that I kind of understand uh, where it is respect for the talent as well as respect for the bottom line. It's like, why are we paying these guys to sit here? Um, But at the same time, like, these are guys that you could have done something with. And you have to be able to build your next stars. And Keith Lee seemed like he could have been a next star. Yeah, because I'm not sitting here, and no disrespect, but, you know, I like Oni Oni Lorcan a lot. But Mm -hmm. has Oni Lorcan perhaps gone as far as he could potentially in the WWE system? You could argue, yeah. Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. uh, The Cruiserweight Classic was one of my favorite things WWE has done in the last, like, 10 years. I loved... Do you, like, remember that we had Zack Sabre Jr. mixing it up and Kota Ibushi (laughs) was in there as well and Brian Kendrick's comeback story and all that shit. Like, that is insane. I love the Cruiserweight Classic. One Uh, might argue that the 205 Live ruined the cruiserweight classic pardon because 205 live ruined the cruiserweight classic if they had just continued with the cruiserweight classic as a yearly thing oh yeah and as an invitational it would have been must see wrestling every year every six months whatever you want to call it yeah but then they introduced 205 live 
And it is just, let's bring all those guys that you loved from the Cruiserweight Classic, let's bring them in and let's sign them to contracts and do nothing with them and bury them in this show that no one's watching. <laughs> but you could have done something with it. Maybe, maybe uh, give it a couple of years. Maybe we'll see it again. But yeah. Uh, I was it's... I was super bummed about that. That should have been a yearly thing. It would have been cool. Like now talent from outside sees how it was done and how they yep. were like represented. Yep. And maybe you can get uh someone additional from like New Japan to come in and come over. Like maybe yep. Will Ospreay shows up in Cruiserweight Classic the following year and goes on a run. Now these guys would obviously never win unless they sign the contracts, but still, how cool was it to have Kota Ibushi and Zack Saber Jr. mixing it up in uh in the cruiserweight classic in WWE. And one might say that that gave those two wrestlers specifically eyes on them that they'd never had before and gave them a push in their respective co co um, companies that they didn't get before the respect that they got from a wider audience. And you could say the same thing about the May young classic, right? These yeah. wrestlers yeah. get exposure that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. That's invaluable. So to say that, they wouldn't want to do it unless they were signed with the company. Like, I don't think that's necessarily true. Kota Ibushi had never signed a contract with nope. WWE. He just wrestled that one match as a freelancer. It was a hell of a match. And, you know, it, there's a way to do these kind of things. And honestly, I worry that AEW is going to steal some sort of format of that way and uh, make their own battle of the super juniors or a g1 or what have you that is yeah. an invitational and bring people in yeah. since they already have those relationships uh, i could easily see that happen but wwe long story short wwe had the opportunity to do that and has kind of squandered it yeah because i remember being really impressed with tony niece and i loved tony niece all the way through his run with the uh his run with the company but again i mean they never cared about cruiserweights right right no, they never, never cared about. It. So a lot of the names on the release list, uh, yeah, some some cruiserweight uh, competitors. Uh, we'll get into uh, Harry Smith on here as well, which I had completely forgotten that Harry Smith was back. Yeah, <laughs> who knew? Yeah, I was <laughs> excited about. Summer. I was excited about that too. Uh, Eva Marie going to a yeah. couple of the ladies that were released. So Eva Marie uh, came back, was paired with Dewdrop for a while, and Eva Marie now gone again. I wonder if that was a more mutual agreement than we might think. Um, you know, she kind of just, it seemed to be a test for both her and, and the company uh, to bring her back and see what they could do. And obviously they couldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, when I think about her and um, Zelina Vega kind of running in parallel at the same time, they obviously found a path for Zelina Vega and they didn't find a path for Eva Marie. Um, they never really had anything for her. I'm not really sure why they brought her back, but because because they're obsessed with that glamorous gimmick that they've been trying to push on people for years and years and years. They tried Emma, Emma, yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Emmalina gimmick, and they went with it again with like Eva Marie. I don't freaking get it, man. Carmella, they tried it with Carmella. Yes, they did try it with Carmella. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, they're obsessed with that gimmick and trying yeah. to make it work, and it never has. <laughs> Learn and your lesson. I don't think it's ever going to. Uh, other, uh, names released here, Mia Yim, uh, you could argue never was really given a fair shake at any point in the company. Yeah. And, uh, of course attached to Keith Lee. I don't know if that makes a dis difference in their decision, but, uh, yeah, she's a freelancer who could be doing some nice stuff coming forward. I, I look forward to seeing her wrestling, being given the opportunities that she 
she is capable of getting. Um, right. Never really gotten a shot in NXT. That was a really solid run. Um, and then, of course, brought up with the Retribution gimmick, which is slowly every week diminishing more and more. Oh, I, I, and, and, more. I, and I'm loving it. Jack yeah. <laughs> is out there. He's not wrestling in any of the crap anymore. Yeah, uh, he's wrestling his own style again, which, which is, is great awesome because I I love that guy. I've been yeah. a big fan of that guy for a long time. So I'm super psyched that he's you know starting to be more of himself, which is awesome. Uh, as we mentioned, yeah, B Fab from Hit Row, which I was super disappointed with because you and I we both we love Hit Row. Yeah, and I feel like she was actually a good part of that. Like, yeah, she didn't necessarily have it in the ring. At least we weren't showcased that she had it in the ring. But she was a fixture in that group and could have benefited that group moving forward. And obviously, they see something in having hit Row on the main roster. But why release her and not the rest of the group? I I just don't I I don't understand it. It, it bangs of uh, of Nikki Cross sanity sanity shit. Because yeah. they brought up Sanity, and she was a big part of that group, and right. such a key component, and then, oh, they just they split them off. Now, obviously, things have turned out well for Nikki Cross, but uh, yeah, strange, that's now twice. A group has come out of NXT, been called up with a female as part of the group, which I think is really cool, and they don't that doesn't happen enough. Like, I still would have loved to see a female member of the Hurt business. Totally. That would have been fucking awesome. Uh, and, and one might say it's been it's been thrice because they brought up Enzo and Cass without Carmella. Ah, as yes, well. yeah. So like there has been these examples, and it's almost as common as them taking away pe- one half of people's names is bringing up groups without without the female member, and and in this case, it's even worse because you didn't leave Bfab, which by the way is a dumb name, but that we can yep. we can address yeah, yeah. there. Um, but you could have left her in NXT and brought up the rest of the group and let her blossom a little bit um, and see what she had to offer before releasing her. Or you could have left her as the manager, ostensibly, of of the rest of this group. And and I'm, I'm honestly worried about Hit Row now without her. And not that she was a big linchpin, but it's like, what are actually your plans for Hit Row uh, sans uh, BFAB, the female member? Yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned people losing their names and stuff because uh, Los Lotharios, uh, the new tag team, uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, uh, are now going by Angel and Humberto. So they no longer have their uh, they no longer have their last names. Oh, Whatever. So <laughs> yeah, so but it's like sad. talk about two guys that are like literal baby faces. Like, I don't mean that in their characters. I mean that in their faces. They yeah. are literally yeah. have the faces of babies. Yeah. And you're trying to make them, like, evil assholes? Like, I don't yeah. I don't see that going anywhere. Uh, but anyway. Big E tweeted at uh, Angel Garza, Welcome to the Brotherhood. Meetings are the third Wednesday of every month. Talk to Cesaro to coordinate what food and beverage you need to bring. I love you, Big E. Never change. That's amazing. That's. And I've, heard that, I've heard rumor that he wants his name back. He wants Langston. I want Langston yeah. back. Big yeah. E Langston was a cool fucking name because you didn't know if it was Big E or Biggie, like Biggie Smalls. And I, yep. I don't know. That worked for me. But Big E is stupid. Yeah. As a well, name. Not the person. I love the, I love the man. But like <laughs> as a ring name, I, I think Big E is dumb. He loves getting – and NXT, it's fine. Yeah. Just wait until Braun Breaker is just Breaker. Oh, Rex <laughs> Steiner. How hard was that? <sighs> So fr- that's frustrating. All right, we're back to the list. Back to the list. <laughs> um, uh, Nia Jax. The that's most- an interesting one. 
Yeah, because she's come out after she's come out after and said that she was undergoing uh, some mental health treatment uh, and was okay. going through some personal stuff. Yeah, uh, and then they were talking about like, okay, when can you come back? And had plans with her to or to return, I believe, on like the thirteenth of November or something like really really close. And she's still been going through some stuff and wasn't ready and apparently was going to talk about like uh, a date in November beyond that. And then talks broke off, and then the next thing she knew, she was released. Hmm. Well, that is, uh, I guess, one of the harms of being a contract worker uh, with the WWE is that you don't kind of have the protections that you'd have in place were you an actual employee. Uh, but anyway, um, that's unfortunate if that's the case. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see where her career goes from here because she's got a great look. She's uh, got a great, you know, body. She's an imposing force. Uh, but she's also notably got a shitty attitude mm. and also more notably is dangerous to work with. And um, so, you know, is there a space for her out in the world in other companies or will her reputation precede her? And is this the end of, of Nia Jax, the professional wrestler? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, elsewhere on the list here, um, Frankie Monet. So uh, John Morrison's uh, lady. Yeah, once again, another one that I feel like was kind of just a short-term experiment. Yeah. Um, that if it took off, they would have run with it and would have uh, taken full advantage of it. And it just didn't, right? You you kind of attached her to the Robert Stone brand and all that kind of stuff. And, and that never really hit. Um, she can deliver in the ring. And I think we all know she can deliver in the ring, but never really got a chance to showcase that. Um, so I'm not particularly surprised about that one. Yeah, one of, probably looking down the list, one of my biggest disappointments, uh, Ember Moon, uh, who never yeah. really seemed to catch fire anywhere, but I think Ember Moon is awesome. And not just the move, I think she's also a really good wrestler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, with, the, with one of the best finishers around. Like, that thing's incredible. Um, thoughts on Ember Moon's release? Yeah, that is one that is surprising to me as well. And I kind of, you know, compare her to Keith Lee, where it's like, had you given her the right run in the right direction and the right story you could have made something out of her and you kind of chose not to and i think we all kind of saw the writing on the wall here when she was with shotzi blackheart in nxt and then shotzi gets called up and ember moon does not yep. and they were an established tag team and she just kind of gets replaced with tegan Knox on the main roster um so i'm not surprised to see this i'm disappointed but not surprised because they obviously didn't know how to ha how to handle Amber Moon. Yeah, and then uh, also Karrion Cross and Scarlet. So Scarlet was released first, and then uh, people have always been wondering where she was because she was such a vital part of the Karrion Cross package in NXT. Uh, so yeah. to call him up without her again was strange. And then she got released, and then shortly thereafter was announced that Karrion Cross. Uh, who was undefeated NXT champion, came up to the main roster. Was it Jeff Hardy he jobbed to, like, his first night? Yep. While still yep. NXT champion, uh, who I could, you know, understandably, apparently a bunch of NXT talent were, like, really, really frustrated with that. Like, your Adam Coles and stuff, they had spent all this time making him, like, look, look good. Look yeah. good. And then his first night on the main roster, he loses to Jeff Hardy. Not that Jeff Hardy, you know, future Hall of Famer, no, you know. 
Um, you know, no pushover there, but still. And then they repackage him. They put him in the weird gladiator gimmick with the Bondage stupid helmet, gear. which yeah. again, they're just obsessed with the gladiator helmets. <laughs> uh, going back to Farouk Assad. Uh, and then apparently he was due for another repackaging and then they decided to kind of like cut their losses. Now, in regards to the helmet, I don't have it in front of me, but there was something I saw, which is pretty funny, where somebody had made a comment on Twitter. is like, okay, well, who's, uh, who's going to get the helmet who who wears that helmet next and then cross responded cross responded with nobody wants that shit (laughs) amazing which is uh yeah which is great stunning that they didn't come up as a package on the main once again uh, another example yes the lady gets left behind and and in a lot of these cases these women are carrying these people these, these guys yeah uh, you know, I think Carmella was a great example of someone who really added something to Enzo and Cass. And Scarlett was the charisma of Karrion Cross, And she brought that, you know, kind of must-see aspect to it um, with the entrance and all that kind of stuff. And why not continue? It's working. Yeah. It's working enough that you have pushed this guy to the moon in NXT twice because yep. you... You, you strapped the belt to him once he got injured and the moment you could do it again, you did it you again. Did. Yep. And yet you can't just bring them both up and have them continue on with what you know is working. I feel like they have this misconception and I, I assume it's a misconception that the things that work in NXT don't work on the main roster yeah. or the things that are, are, that are, have made these guys over to that collective 250 people in Orlando isn't going to work uh, on TV or, or whatever it is. And I just don't think that's true. And they seem really caught up in that. And uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some sour grapes in there somewhere. There, well, we tried that and it didn't work. So nothing's ever going to work again. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, now we'll go to uh, Keith Lee's statement here. Uh, Greetings and salutations. This day is my birthday. It is not a happy birthday, but it is one that I am most grateful for. Several months ago, it was not a guarantee I would make it to this day, so there is positivity in that. I paid all my medical bills from many from the many offices and machines I frequented. There is positivity in that. And I do find it amusing that people believe anyone but me paid for my medical expenses. I was going to wait a couple weeks, but I think it's time to look towards the future. Forward march, as I like to say. I am capable of so much more, and I can't wait to see what it looks like properly. I have a wide array of interests and abilities. I also consider myself to be rather open-minded. Here's to a future that, for all intents and purposes, seems limitless. Yeah, I, I there's a kind of a few kind of subtle things to unpack there <laughs> that, uh, you know, he's stating very clearly that he had to pay for his own medical expenses and yep is that a bit of a slag on wwe and their practices even though wwe probably caused his ailments uh indirectly um but yeah it's interesting and i've i've liked i like the baseline keith lee i like the limitless keith lee I love shirtless, his little I love shirtless his little keith thumbs lee yeah <laughs> the thumbs the shirtless keith lee yes you knew it was trouble the first night he showed up on the main roster. They got him in the weird little miniskirt. Yeah. In a weird, like, dress and top. And it's like, oh, they. People were worried they didn't get it. 
and they would so, try and do stuff. And he also confirmed that he had absolutely zero to do with the bear cat thing. Mm, that was all interesting. Vince. He had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the future holds because, um, you know, are there, is there an impact in the world? Is there an AEW in the world? Yes. Is that the right place for Keith Lee? I honestly don't know. Like, he's, he's a very talented guy and has obviously, based on this statement, feels like he's kind of gotten the runaround here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, broken dreams, if you will, because I'm sure, as, as we've said before, like, Although there is other companies out there, specifically AEW, this is these guys' dream. That yeah. To make it to WWE is ultimately their dream. And Keith Lee probably thought he'd made it there and then gets, you know, him and his wife get get kicked off the roster in, in a day and their dreams get crushed. And I, I feel for him. And I'm, I'm, I hope the future holds good things. Yeah, um, his non-compete clause ends on Wednesday, February the 2nd. Um, now, also, there are other talents who, I guess since we've last spoken, or maybe we didn't really address it on previous show, contracts are coming up. Johnny yep. Gargano, contract coming up, expiring soon. Apparently, Kyle O'Reilly's contract expires in December. So, we've talked about it a little bit on the show before. Uh, and obviously there are, you know, conspiracy theories and all that abound. But do you think there's any merit at all to Vince trying to flood the market um, and not bankrupt like AEW, but basically have AEW pick up some of these folks, as many as they can, like the really the highly talented ones, and then yeah. kind of crumble under the weight both financially and creatively of having all these big time free agents now in their uh, organization with the homegrown talent they have the the theory is interesting and, and and we've kind of talked about it in previous weeks but i i don't think aew is that stupid also <laughs> which is interesting Cause, like because for keith lee you can't not bring that guy in if you're aew right that's uh, not to say they're gonna snatch know. up everybody like oh frankie bonnet get in and okay uh grand metalik come on in and like they're not gonna yeah. get everybody but there are certain in every single release class which it's shitty that it used to be about the signing classes in nxt remember we get so yeah, excited no oh this guy's in and this guys and now it's the release classes but you know there's always at least one or two that yeah budget wise creative wise you got to bring these guys in you can't afford not to have them on your team and keith lee is one of them carrying cross debatable i know you can kind of go either way maybe he goes back to impact but yeah like keith lee has to be an aew right i i don't know i i don't know i i if they have something for him maybe but i'm not entirely sure they do um, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can answer that question with confidence one way or the other. Um, but the Vince trying to bankrupt them thing, that's, that's an interesting thought. I, I feel right now, and this is a right now statement that with the positions that Johnny and Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly have in NXT, I don't foresee them leaving. I think they're happy with what they're doing. They're happy with the place they hold in those companies i think i said it a few weeks back i could foresee johnny gargano being the next head trainer at nxt like he seems like that kind of guy um to stick with it and kind of be that person for, to put over the next level talent um i don't know if that's true or not but i don't think i don't think he's going to be the type to jump ship to AEW. but kyle o'reilly maybe maybe there's something there 
you know, a, a, a undisputed era 2.0 kind of situation on the other side. Um, but Gargano, not really, I think, especially with his, you know, family up and coming, um, you know, maybe sticking in one place is, is what's right for him. Yeah. Cause, uh, you know, uh, people were thinking about Tommaso Ciampa when these releases sort of came out. And apparently Ciampa is viewed as as a, you know, sort of figurehead in NXT, someone that's ushering about the transition. Eventually, he's going to drop the title to Braun Breaker. Sorry, who? Uh, Braun Breaker. Uh, oh, okay. I don't know if you heard the fact that there's two N's and two K's when I said it, but uh, <laughs> I tried to really accentuate that. Brecker. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Oh, I guess there's also like Survivor Series is coming up, and they announced the 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 men's and women's tag matches, the five on fives. Yeah, on just Twitter, dropped it on Twitter. Yeah. And at the middle of the afternoon. And yeah. people are like, oh, but when Tony Khan announces stuff and AEW, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. I'm like, yeah, when he's announcing what's going to happen on Dynamite, that's one thing. But, you know, a former, no, fuck it, a big four pay-per-view. And there's no, I think Ricochet said something, tweeted about, so we're not doing any qualifying matches or? Because <laughs> he's not on team. I guess I'm team, not even invited. He's not on team, uh, team SmackDown. Uh, and then Team Raw, tonight on Raw, uh, Scrap Daddy Pierce came out, and apparently yeah. he was like, uh, yeah, whoops, uh, sorry, in my haste to make the team, I realized that every single person on the team was a former world champion, except for you, Dominic Mysterio, so uh, you can still be on the team, but you have to beat uh, Lashley. And Lashley beat the shit out of him, so Lashley's on the team now. Uh, so all former world champions on the Raw side. And then on SmackDown, you've got King Woods, uh, Happy Corbin. We we talked on this show. <laughs> yeah, We were so into broke-ass Corbin's gimmick. Yeah, And sad Corbin. Like, that was so good. And nope, you, you ruined it. You absolutely ruined it. I could have done with that for another couple months. Now he's just Corey Graves, but for not Corey Graves, um... Uh, what the fuck's his name? Grimes. Grimes. Yeah, Cameron Grimes. Cameron yeah, Grimes. he is. On the main roster. Like, yeah. he's basically taken Cameron Grimes' gimmick. And... Heartbreaking, man. <laughs> Heartbreaking. So, yeah. Uh, we'll switch gears, talk about uh, AEW now. Obviously, this is the uh, this will be the go-home dynamite for Full Gear, which is coming up this, uh, this weekend. Uh, last week, we were talking about the eventuality of Danielson versus uh, Moxley. I don't think last week it was November. Yeah, it was November 2nd. So it was the day after we recorded our show that uh, Moxley went into uh, rehab for uh, alcohol addiction. Yep. Um, so we didn't have a chance to theorize what could possibly happen to the replacement. AEW didn't skip a beat. They didn't give Orange Cassidy the bye. Uh, instead, they put him up against Miro, who I feel is somebody that within the storyline, you can realistically put in there in the like semifinals, and there's no dispute about it that he because i was perplexed that he wasn't in there in the first place exactly yeah no he's, he's a perfect substitute in the in this yeah. in this regard and uh i'm curious to see what him and danielson produces uh yeah i think that's going to be an awesome awesome match um going up and down the card here is there anything else that you're really looking forward to are you going to watch full gear are you going to order this thing and sit down and watch it Mm, those are there's a lot to break down there am i gonna order it probably okay. not <laughs> okay are you gonna watch this pay-per-view am i gonna watch it hopefully yeah okay <laughs> we will see yeah. very coy am i i'm not honestly the card there's nothing about the card that really grasps me uh, i'll be honest okay i'm not like i need to see that about uh anything 
anything that's there. Um, but of course, I'm I know it's going to be good, so I'll, I'll want to watch. I'm really intrigued by the Lucha Brothers versus FTR. Like that's a real contrast of styles and FTR. Like you like them or you don't, but you can't argue with the fact that they're like old school tag team specialists. So I'm really interested to see how their style meshes with the Lucha Brothers, who are absolutely fantastic. Um, aside from that, uh, Darby Allen and MGF I think is going to be a good uh, match. And this thing went from eh, okay, whatever, to like white hot in the span of one segment. Uh, CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. really, really pumped for that. Hey, you get two guys who are great on the mic and you can build build anticipation for a match pretty quickly. And I think that's what we saw there. Their, uh, you know, microphone showdown last week. I mean, you had the crowd cheering and booing both guys throughout the entire segment as both made like pretty valid points and both just like cut each other up. Man, I think, yeah, that's going to be an, like perhaps a show-stealing match. And this is something where CM Punk actually has, even though it's a relatively short build, this seems to be the most passionate story for a match he's going into. That's something we've talked about on the show before, is that most of these CM Punk matches are, hey, I want to wrestle Matt Seidel, so I'm going to wrestle Matt Seidel. Ah, Bobby yeah. Fish, come on in. Hey, Powerhouse Hobbs and Team Taz, I hate you guys. Okay, moving on. Sorry, where's our match with Hook? All right, where is our match with <laughs> Bring Hook? Bring on Hook. Yeah, I uh, actually think this is going to be the the best match from CM Punk that we've seen. Yeah, and I think that's because there's a styles match here that makes a lot of sense, and I don't necessarily mean that from their wrestling styles. I mean that from their showmanship styles. I think this is two guys that are committed to the same thing and to do it in the same way. And this is going to be all style and uh, all entertainment. And yeah, can they both wrestle? For sure. But there's more here to work with for CM Punk than there has been with any other of his previous opponents at AEW. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Omega versus Page. Who you like? Uh, Omega. I don't, I don't think his, his run's over. Um, I think the money's in the chase here for, for Page. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it with Omega. Yeah. There was a Kenny Omega match, um, last week on dynamite trying to remember who he faced. He was a member of the dark order, I believe, um, you know, lower tier guy, uh, and Omega, you know, gave him a lot. It reminded me of, uh, Bret Hart, one, two, three kid when they wrestled mm. for the WWE, uh, the WWF championship back yep. in the day. But, uh, yeah, it was a really, really solid like Kenny Omega match where, and the commentary did a great job putting it over. It's like, well, some wrestlers just have those guys that exist in their blind spots and they don't have an answer for. So maybe that's what's happening here because the guy's frustrating Kenny Omega. It is killing me that I, I feel so bad that I can't remember. Uh, it, was it silver? No, it wasn't silver. <laughs> we can do this. We I can believe do this. in us. Uh, Alan Five Angels. That's what it Oh, is. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, which was a really, really, really good match. Uh, he put him away with, uh, I think, a, it was a V-trigger. Not the first one, because he never, never puts him away never with the, the first, first V-trigger. And he's always so surprised that he didn't get it. He's never beaten any single person with just one V-trigger, but it's always the same level of incredulity afterwards. We're like, what? I can't believe it. So, uh, no, it was, I think, a really positive match for both guys. Um, and yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to Omega versus Hangman. Yeah, it can definitely go either way. It'll be interesting yeah. to see who wins the Eliminator Tournament final first. Mm. 
yes. and then see where they go from there. Because Miro versus Hangman Page, I think, is a good program. We know that it won't be Miro versus Omega, although maybe right. they just you know subvert expectations and do that. So, <laughs> um, or perhaps we start building to Danielson versus Omega. But if that's the case, what becomes of Hangman Page after Full Gear? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I, it's weird because I like what he's doing with Dark Order. I like that mix, but yeah. that isn't that isn't main event stuff. Like it just doesn't have that feel to it. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe keep going in that direction and just leave him, and then maybe have Omega drop the title to Danielson at some point, and and it, it's the, the Elite versus the Dark Order in more of a longer term program. I, I honestly don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's it's Hangman's time just yet. Yeah, and here's just a strange, like, just a kind of spacing thing as far as this roster goes. Uh, you look at the roster, you look at the people who, like, aren't involved. Uh, no Pack, no yep. Cody Rhodes, no yep. Malachi Black, no Andrade. So mm-hmm. quite a few, like, big names. No Jade Cargill. I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, quite a lot of big names not uh, not making the card, which, again, will just make their appearances on Dynamites and Rampages like more special and kind of raise the stakes of those matches, which I think is a really good balance. Exactly. I, I don't feel like it diminishes wrestlers, at least at this no. stage in AEW's uh, life. Um, does it diminish wrestlers to not have them on the pay-per-view cards, um, especially with how few and infrequent these pay-per-views are? Um it elevates the guys that are there for sure, but it doesn't diminish the guys who aren't. They still have a chance to be showcased on the weekly television shows. Yeah, we got eight matches, and the only one I could look at where I'm like, oh, okay, is Inner Circle versus uh, Men of the Year and American Top Team. You kind of had to do that, though. Yeah. Like, especially you've got these the the these MMA people for potentially a limited amount of time. Uh, so you got to kind of build to that and, and get it out of the way pretty quick. Yeah. Minneapolis street fight. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to AEW full gear, uh, more than I have at WWE pay-per-view in quite some time, as is the norm these days. Anything else in the world of wrestling you want to get into? I don't think so. All right, cool. How about a little, uh, push or bury? Ooh, I would love to. Yeah. All right, Paris, let's hit a little uh, pusher berry. Okay, okay, okay. Now, I've got I've got a few here, and luckily I don't have Wyatt here to interrupt me in his award-winning ways, uh, because this is important stuff. We need to Stop everything! We're doing a quiz! Oh, God damn it. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, okay, thank, no thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. Uh, so, I, I referenced this before Wyatt rudely interrupted me a couple weeks ago. What do we think about, speaking of releases couple names that you might be surprised not to see. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. Uh, the, the, okay, is the Dirty Dogs, right? The Dirty Dogs. Ziggler's going to be... Ziggler had his chances. Ziggler's going to be there, like, forever, as long as, you know, he can... He has a say in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I also don't think that they're ever going to really get rid of him because I feel like he will always have a certain sort of... Um, marquee attraction like Ziggler is always going to be a name there so if you want to have so? someone you know, oh I think he's I think he's forever going to be a push guy not someone that gets pushed but um you know you want to try and elevate somebody like he was years ago when they first put the rosters he was like the gatekeeper of Smackdown or whatever yeah, yeah. I still think that he's talented in the ring and has enough cachet where if you want to have who are they trying to push right now uh, Keith Lee 
Carry and cross. All right. Well, yeah, if you wanted to have carry and cross or whatever, <laughs> you know, elevate, you would put him in a program with Dolph Ziggler, have him beat Dolph Ziggler because Dolph's a former, you know, multi-time intercontinental champion, U.S. champion, world champion. Like, he'll always have those accolades. So you could always trot him out to take a loss against someone you want to try and elevate. So uh, Robert Roode's a different story. Though, because, I mean, outside of, ever since he's stopped being glorious and stopped that tag team with, like, Chad Gable, he's really not had a lot to do, and I am actually kind of surprised to see him not on that list, so I'm going to push Ziggler as far as keeping him in the company and bury Rude. I'd like to see Rude somewhere else, maybe back in Impact. Hmm. You you still think he's got something in the tank there? I do. Absolutely, I do. Hmm. All right. Well, speaking of something in the tank, I have in parentheses for the next next uh, pusher berry, the best old guy wrestler ever, Sting. Push, push Sting. They've figured out how to you know utilize Sting uh, with the fact that he is old and a bit limited. Like I don't understand how. I mean, maybe it's just the hair plugs or whatever. But like how he looks better in AEW than he did in WWE, and that was like five six years ago. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I was excited for his program with Seth Rollins. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think they've done an awesome job with Sting. When they did a cinematic match with uh, him and Darby Allen, I thought that was really good. I'm like, okay, cool. You're cutting cameras around, you're making them look cool. That's a really good way to utilize Sting, kind of like WWE did with Undertaker in the, yep. you know, Boneyard match or whatever. Uh, but the fact that they've actually utilized him, like, as a wrestler in the ring, Live taking bumps, uh, yeah, push man. I think I'm do it for as long as he can in the limited capacity because he's still such a presence and yeah. such a good part of that package with Darby Allen. Just him being there in an advisory capacity elevates Darby Allen to you know a really high level. I love it. Push. It it seemed like such a cliche expected match to put him with Darby Allen. Yeah. in AEW to be like, yeah. hey, they both wear face paint. Like, he's his dad, right? <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's re- it's it's worked, and, and I agree with you on all fronts. And, and I think that he can still go. He could still, when called upon, Sting can, can still put on a match. And yeah. and so I, I'm, I've been impressed with his work in AEW as well. Yeah, right on. And like you say, perfect, perfect place to put him in, in that sort of mentor uh, that shows up when he's needed kind of role. Yeah. Uh, Damian Priest. I think he's super talented, uh, but not even in NXT. He's never really done anything for me. I mean, he's a Ditto. tall, athletic guy that can, you know, work really well. Um, I don't know what it is about him that's never really hooked me, but um, there's nothing that's ever really hooked me. So, Barry. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of on the same page. I would put him kind of in the Baron Corbin ranks for me, where it's like, obviously this is a big, tall, big guy that they that really like, um, but I'm not sure why. And uh, But ultimately, are they doing anything with him right now? I don't, you don't, I don't really see a future for him, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you, but who knows? Uh, they've managed to find a future for people that I don't expect them to in the past. Yeah. Uh, Dominic Mysterio. We we kind of talked, alluded to him a bit earlier, but where does Dominic Mysterio lay for you in regards to does he have a future career with WWE? I think he does. 
he's always come across as he doesn't seem like a natural wrestler. Do you get that from me? Yeah. Like he, it seems yeah. like stunt. I'm not going to compare him to like Bad Bunny because he's better than Bad Bunny, mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem like a natural like athlete. Right, like it seems very measured. A lot of the you know wrestling and stuff that he yep. does. So, um, I think just based on legacy and everything, they'll still try and do something with him. It says a lot that when they first brought him up, they paired him with you know Seth Rollins, who is arguably the best worker they have in the company. Um, but beyond that, like I can't see Dominic Mysterio like carrying a program with anybody. I was thinking maybe they're going to do a split with him and Ray at some point down the line. But okay, you split him off from Ray Mysterio. They have a little feud. Maybe he turns heel. I don't think I could ever buy that based on just how he looks. He looks yeah. like a, he's like literal and figurative prototypical babyface. Yeah. So um, I guess the ultimate question is: Does his career continue after Ray's is over? Yes, but they've never really had a proper way to really build and elevate Hispanic stars. Yeah, that's certainly true. And they've tried multiple, multiple times to replicate like the Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero successes. But, you know, whether it's like Del Rio, Andrade, like they've always sort of struggled with that. So I don't and he's way less talented than those guys. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't think so. Barry. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the same page. And as well, it seems, and maybe this is a him thing, maybe this is his dad thing, maybe this is a WWE thing, but the he seems to be kind of forced into a high flyer style when I really don't think that's suitable for the, his athleticism or his, his body type. Yeah. So, you know, he isn't Rey Mysterio. Sorry to break yeah. it to everyone, yeah. maybe including Dominic Mysterio, but he isn't Rey Mysterio and he's never going to be. So I think he needs to kind of find himself as a wrestler a little bit apart from Rey Mysterio um, and apart from the style in which they might expect him to deliver. Uh, but right now I'm I'm with you. I'd, I'd, I'd bury as well. Yep. All right. That's all I got for you, my friend. All right. Yeah, that was good. Um, okay. Well, how about uh, we wrap this off with a little uh, This Week in Wrestling History? Let's do it. What we're going to do right here is go back, way back, back into time. One, two, three, four, hit it! Okay, so we had a couple options for uh, this week in wrestling history. Um, You know, which one was the one that jumped out to you the most? Well, there's an obvious choice here. Um... And I wish it was uh, a Lance Storm and huge erection. That isn't necessarily the obvious choice, but, but yes. they, had, they had a match. In the year 2000, <laughs> uh, WCW taped Monday Nitro from uh, London, England, and Lance Storm defeated Hugh General. Sorry, I didn't get his rank right. General <laughs> Hugh Erection to win the WCW United States Championship, which he, of course, famously rebranded the Canadian Heavyweight Championship on an absolute tear, collecting undervalued shit belts and renaming them in honor of our beloved Canada. <laughs> Never change Landstorm. That's great stuff. But yeah, we, we're not going to go but, too but deep with that. D- despite the lack of Wyatt tonight, this isn't an episode of the Random Nitro Project. So, That's right. Uh, <laughs> old school. <laughs> so so we, we shall digress. And the obvious standout out of the ones that happened this week in wrestling is the Montreal Screwjob. Yes. Like, let's. That was that was this time. 1997, Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Probably the most famous story in all of wrestling. Something which caused the seismic shift, which you know changed the landscape forever. 
of what wrestling was really peeled back the curtain. It wasn't long after where Vince McMahon comes out and says, oh, we're, you know, new attitude, all this stuff is passe, and uh, Brett screwed Brett and all that stuff. McMahon no longer a commentator, on-air authority figure, and out as the owner of the company, and they, you know, screwed this guy, went against the script and all that stuff, and it's real, and just blurring the lines forever. I mean, this was massive. This changed the fortunes for WWE. Um... It cannot be said how important this was in the scope of pro wrestling history. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that it had just a ripple effect on. Had a ripple effect on Bret Hart's career. Had a ripple effect on WCW's success in the coming years. Had a ripple effect on the... Really, one might say this was uh, one of the events that brought us into the Attitude Era. This was one of the events that kind of said goodbye to the... Uh, Bret Hart style wrestlers and and more hello to to Degeneration X and Stone Cold Steve Austin and and that kind of era and it was that first especially because it was so well documented in the um, Bret Hart Wrestling with Shadows documentary oh, so good it, it it was the first kind of uh, pull back the curtain kind of realities of wrestling uh, that we were able to see, especially you and I as 13 year olds, what have yeah. you at the time, yep. um, to see, uh, to get smartened up, so to speak, to what was happening behind the scenes of pro wrestling, uh, not only with this event, but with how well documented it has been, uh, in, in, like I said, wrestling with shadows and beyond the mat and, and the A&E biography of Bret Hart, the A&E biography of Shawn Michaels, all these kind of things. Yeah. It's, it's brought up all the time. As a, like you say, a seismic shift in professional wrestling. Yeah, I think we were, uh, it was nice. I was 12. Um, yeah, And I remember I would order all the pay-per-views off of, uh, you know, off of the cable box and I'd record them. So I had them all on tape. I still have them all on tape. You know, who could have foreseen the WWE Network uh, coming in the future? <laughs> I'm like, I could have these on tape and watch these events whenever I want. <sighs> and I remember that one uh, was the first time I guess Shaw Cable got hip to that and disabled the ability to like record off of oh, the really? TV. Yeah, so I couldn't record it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a bit fucked, but um, uh, yeah, it was crazy. And that was the one I would have wanted to record because again, I didn't yeah, no know kidding. the ins and outs of what was happening. They had a huge brawl at the start of the match, and like Vince is there, oh, get in the ring, come on, guys, let's go. And they're just beating the crap out of each other, and all the sunny days stuff, and all of like yeah, their all the feud, stuff that built like, to this. Yeah, you don't know the scope of what's going on behind the scenes, and then obviously when the finish happened. I didn't know what was going on. Then Brad Hardy's spitting in people's faces and smashing monitors and spelling WCW in the air. Like I remember just being so confused as to what was going on. Yeah. I think something that I'd forgotten that I was reminded of when we, when we brought up this topic was how quickly it all happened. I think in hindsight, I've always been like, Oh, it was a whole good match. And then they built up and then, and then this was the finish where I think the sharpshooter and the, the, all the stuff that happens is like less than five minutes into the match. Most of the match is there like pre-match brawl right up and down the aisle into the set where they had the kind of tunnel thing going and yeah, just like battering each other. I, I, I think we underestimate how much of a disrespect it was to Bret Hart as a talent that they pulled it off so quickly as well. Like not only did he not get to win and go out the way he wanted to win, but, and by the way, I don't necessarily agree with his standpoint no, on this me either. either. Like, 
come on, like do your job. But anyway, um, but yeah, he didn't even get to put on the the match that he probably would have liked to put on over the course of of yeah. fifteen minutes or what it's, have you. It's one of those things in wrestling history where I wish like we could peek into an alternate timeline where like if things did go the way that he wanted, where it ends with a big schmoz and a big run in and a dust up, and then he comes out the next. Like I never. I kind of never bought that, that he's going to yeah. come out the next night on Raw with the title, give an impassioned speech, thanking the company and thanking the fans, and then just dropping the title. I mean, that's that's a classic Shawn Michaels move. Uh, you know, hey, I've lost my smile, my knee hurts, here's yeah. the belt I don't have to lose. <laughs> but it's like that, in his recollection, is always kind of a tough thing to buy into, was the fact that he was just going to honorably show up the next day, and all right, here you go, and because he was super mm-hmm. embittered with the direction of the company, him being kind of, you know, screwed around with his contract he was able to get his deal with wcw back but um yeah i would have i would love to have an alternate branching timeline to see what he would have done had the screw job not taking place and vince trusted him but we all know this is all alundra blaze's fault yeah yeah exactly if she hadn't a garbage that title yeah <laughs> then many years vince would have been so friggin' paranoid yeah. and stuff and yeah because who knows maybe bret hart because he's the victim can come out and say yeah this is what i would have done i would have never come out in wcw right. tv but right you know they were what's the word um running counter to what he felt strongly his values were and how mm-hmm. strong he felt about that and how you know, you watch Wrestling with Shadows, you see how frustrated he is when he's talking with his wife yep. about yep. the fact that they've like wanted to cancel and walk back on the contract. They told him they can't commit to it. Just everything going on with Shawn Michaels and him messing with his like relationship. Uh, yeah, interesting. And you also say like, what would have happened if Shawn Michaels would have just said, okay, cool. Thank you for dropping the title to me. We're all good. Instead of allegedly the, I wouldn't do the same for you. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Which is arguably what was the biggest catalyst in the whole thing was Shawn Michaels' attitude in refusing to drop the title to, or saying he wouldn't do the same for Brett. Which, why would yeah. you fucking say that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait till he's out the door, then talk a shit streak about him on Raw. Who cares? But uh, yeah, there's so many things. Little you tiny can even things. walk this back even further and be like, what if it wasn't in Montreal? What if it had been in Pittsburgh? In Memphis? Yeah, like, would, would things have played out entirely differently? And would have Brett would have jobbed peacefully and maybe would have had a hell of a match that night and or was that just an excuse was was the montreal thing just a reason to say he didn't want to lose yeah you gotta believe yeah looking at the pay-per-view calendar with all this stuff starting to going down vince in montreal shit pal (laughs) yeah exactly and you know even if if we scale that back even further if Shawn michaels had never done the i lost my spile thing which brett suggests is a it was a cop-out because he didn't want to lose to brett at mania 13 yeah. in the rematch of the iron man match so like if that hadn't have happened would brett have not wanted to get his vengeance like there's a lot of things played out here and which all adds up to it being such a a important but weird moment in wrestling history i am going to go watch wrestling with shadows Right now, as soon as we're done recording, because I'm just, I'm all, I'm sucked into it again. It's all captivating. So yeah, that was November 9th of 1997. And Mr. Paris, that about wraps it up for, uh, for Wrestle Nation this week. Do you have anything else to say on our way out the door? Uh, no, I, you know, I hope we see Wyatt back here next week with his scoop and whatever else he's been working on tonight and yada, 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 awards, 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 so on and so forth. 
I, um, I, I I believe him when he says he's got a big scoop. I don't know what it is, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of believe him. So uh, that'll be next week on Wrestle Nation. Uh, we'll have our special guest, which we're looking forward to. Uh, yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter at NEW Wrestle Pod. Uh, make sure to follow the Nation Extreme Wrestling account as well uh, at NEW Wrestling Inc. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and Spotify. If you're on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. Go to <laughs> NationExtremeWrestling.com. Uh, get your tickets for NEW3. These things are going to sell out. November 27th, December 2nd, we are going to crown the first ever NEW champion. For the architect, Mike Paris, I'm Jay Bowman, and we'll see you next time on Wrestle Nation. Uh-huh.